Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist, and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field. If you've been listening to this podcast or are new to it, first off, thank you very much. I would also appreciate it if you took a moment to follow the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Today's guest is Crystal Crawford. She's a writer, a freelance editor, and a writing teacher. She created Pirate Cat Publishing, an online reading platform with a monthly membership fee where all the content is clean YA fiction. But today we're going to discuss a publishing platform created by Amazon Kindle called Vela. It was created last year in 2021. We originally met that when she took the L. Ron Hubbard Writers of the Future online workshop, and I'm excited to have her as a guest on this podcast. Hello, and welcome, Crystal. Hi, John. Thank you for having me. Sure. And this is, it's interesting, when you were talking about Vela, I was like, what's Vela? I hadn't heard of it. <laughs> and then come to find out when I checked your, your pages, you, you started posting on Vela videos like a day or two after it launched. It's, you've been it from the very beginning. Yes, I have. Um, we actually found out about Vela a few months before it launched, and they gave us a chance to kind of set up content. So I've been with it since it launched last July. Which is amazing. And I've been listening to your macchiatos, fairy princes, and other things that happen at midnight so I could get a taste of it. So now I understand what it is, having done this. So now we're going to talk about it and let uh, the listeners know, first of all, what is this thing called Vela, Amazon Vela, uh, what's in it for them? What's in it for an author? Um, why should people do it? And how is it different than eBooks and other types of, um, of content uh, delivery? So first of all, just explain what is Amazon Vela? Okay, so Kindle Vela is essentially a serial reading platform. So it is set up to where authors post episodes weekly of their stories rather than posting a story as a whole, although an author can drop an entire story at once, but it's really set up for readers to follow a story and get weekly updates on the story. And they even now have polls on the episodes where readers can vote on things and you can have author notes where you talk directly to the readers. So it's, in, it's set up to be an episodic serial platform with a little bit of interaction between the author and the readers. Got it. Now there's also a limit on, on the most on each episode, it, can, it can't be higher than, what, 7,000 words or something like that? I believe the cap is uh, 600 to 5,000, I think is the range. So it can't be less than 600 words, and it can't be more than 5,000. Got it. All right, so cool. So that's, that's basically what we've got here. Now, how is that different than, I guess from a writer's viewpoint, how is that different than just posting a story on KDP, uh, you know, Kindlepreneur? Um, well, for me, the first thing I learned is you have to have a lot of hooks because you have to be making sure you're keeping the reader coming back episode after episode because there is that risk of losing them while they're waiting for the next one to post. It's, it's a harder leap than, you know, if all they have to do is turn a page to keep reading a book. So right. definitely hooks. The other difference is that opportunity to interact with the readers. So I have some friends who post on Kindle Vela and they use their social media to kind of take input from readers on what should come next or to kind of tease up each week's episode. So there's the opportunity to make it a little more interactive during the process of actually posting the story. 
Okay, so then, because you've got both eBooks as well as Vela, right? Yes, I do. So now, so it makes it sound like just writing a regular book is a lot easier than doing a Vela book. <laughs> um, I think they each have their own challenges. Um, I find Vela really motivating because I know that I have readers waiting for each week's episode. So I, I write mine several weeks ahead of what I'm posting, so I have time to edit them, and I have an alpha team who reads them, but I still find it really motivating. Um, it keeps me writing. So that's helpful, but there's not a chance to go back really and edit the story as a whole because you're posting it, unless you write the entire thing up front, which some authors do, but otherwise, if you're writing it as you're going, like a lot of us are, then you kind of have to, whatever you posted before is canon now. <laughs> you just have to go with it. So it's a little bit of a challenge in that sense. Right. Now, do you plot your story on Vela or are you just kind of like a, was referred to as the pantser? Do you just kind of like let it, it just flows and goes whichever way it goes? So I try to be a plotter. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm a plotter at heart. I like to have the plan. Um, but then my plan always ends up derailing at some point and I find myself, the, the characters just insist on going another direction. Um, so I would say I'm somewhere in the middle because I always end up having to stop every few chapters and replot because my characters have just veered off somewhere. So I'm sort of a plant, sir. There in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's various aspects on Vela and there's, for anybody that's brand new to this, there's all types of questions that came up when I did it, and I just had to finally just, I watched some videos that you that you suggested I, I watch, and then I just went and got your your story and just started listening to it just to see, okay, what is this and how does this work? And it was a lot of fun. So there's various features on the uh, Kindle Vela which is different and have different significances than on regular books. So one, you've got, we're going to talk about you got follow, fave, crown, and reviews. So we'll break those down because those all have different significances specifically for Vela. So first of all, yes. what's the significance of follow? Okay, so follow enables a reader to follow a particular story. So uh, if you follow an author on their Amazon author account, for example, you'll get notifications on anything they publish. Um, but in Vela, it's set up differently to where you follow a particular story. So if you're really enjoying a story, you can click follow, and then you'll get notifications um, in your Kindle app every time a new episode of that story posts. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So now fave. So fave is essentially the Vela ranking system. Um, so they have a top faved leaderboard, and it shows the top 250 stories in all of Vela, every genre. And then readers can sort that leaderboard by genre um, and the way to make it onto that top fave is actually reader votes. So every week readers get one fave um, and they only are eligible to use it if they have spent tokens to unlock an episode that week. And so as soon as Sunday hits, if they log into Kindle Vela or the first time they log in, that week's fave, there's kind of like a scroll bar that will pop up and it'll show all the stories that particular reader has been reading that week and it'll give them a chance to choose one as their fave mm -hmm. um, or that they've been reading recently. So it's, it's a ranking system that is reader votes, essentially, but it's also, it gives the authors 
a lot more visibility if they can make it onto that top fave list. Got it. So now, this is when I'm going to digress just a moment here. So when I went in and started looking first time into uh, doing Vellup, it offered me a bunch of free tokens to get started. Yes. It offered me, I don't know, it was a thousand. It was like, how does that work that you get these free tokens for starters and how is it established how many you're going to get? Um, that's a funny question. So Amazon keeps increasing the amount of free tokens they're giving to readers. I think um, because they're still building the platform, they're hoping to bring readers in using the free token incentive. So at first they were offering 200 free tokens then they did a 500. Um, they've done some special promotions recently for Kindle Unlimited users where they got additional free tokens. Um, but and that's why so I got fifteen hundreds because I'm at Kindle and yes, it's a lot. Um, yeah. So that means that we don't. It on our dashboards as authors, we can see episodes that were redeemed with that, like with free tokens, but we're getting paid for them still from Amazon. Oh, you um, do? I thought you couldn't yes. get paid if I didn't buy the tokens. Um, so as of right now, Amazon is still compensating authors for free tokens. We don't get paid for the first three episodes that are always free, but we get paid for any tokens that are used, even if they were a promotion from Amazon that are free. Um, that I don't know how long. I don't have to worry about feeling bad that I'm. You don't have to worry about it. Amazon is still paying us for those tokens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So that's how that works in. So mm-hmm. now on. Buying tokens, are those, how do you get tokens? So normally you would, if you don't have the free ones, you would purchase a package of tokens and they have different tiers that you can buy in bulk. If you buy the larger package, your cost per token is a little bit less. Readers sometimes balk at the cost of tokens for the stories, um, but my fellow authors and I who write on Bella have done the math and essentially it comes down usually to pennies per episode that you're spending, depending on the word count, because the token cost of each episode is directly determined by that episode's word count. Right. So if you're paying more for an episode, it's because it's a longer episode. Okay. Yeah, I want to make sure people understood that too, because I was like, why is this in 22 tokens and this one's 35 tokens? Then I realized this is a longer chapter. Yeah, I feel like that's, it's not necessarily clearly explained anywhere on Bella, but that is how the the cost of each episode is determined. Got it. All right, so we've gone through follow and fave. Now there's crowns. Yes, so if you see a crown on the story icon, that means that story is currently on the top faved list. Um, If a story drops below that 250 mark for the top 250 faves, the crown disappears. So that's an easy way for readers to know as they're browsing stories which ones are currently top faved. Okay. And then reviews, because that seems to be a bit different too than I'm used to Amazon reviews or Goodreads reviews, but this seems to be different. It's, it's kind of different, but it's kind of the same. So the reviews, the reviews are basically like leaving a review for an ebook, but the difference is that you may not have read the whole story yet. So some readers are leaving a review after the first couple of episodes. Um, others are leaving a review after they're halfway through a story. So it's not always, they may not always have a full picture of what a story is actually doing or the purpose of the story. So it's a little bit different in that sense. Uh, we also have seen a lot of people leaving reviews about Bella itself because it's a new platform and people are getting used to it. 
So sometimes they'll leave um, a review about Vela versus a review on the story, which you don't really see people doing so much on eBooks, but um, it does happen on Vela. Right. So when you get a review like on Amazon, you get your three star, four star, five star, whatever it is, and what, or whatever increment of that, and then the yeah. number of. Does it work the same way with Vela? It does. So when you're on a story landing page, you can see their star rating and the number of reviews that they have, like you would on an ebook. Okay. So now I'm going through the uh, each installment, then you can do a like for that installment, which isn't a like yeah. for the book, it's just a, a like for that installment. So by the time you get through a 50 episodic story, you can have, in essence, you'd have put, you could put 50 likes on that. Yes, those are, yeah, they have what they call thumbs up um, on Kindle Bella. So at the end of every episode, there is a thumb. And if you click it, then it adds to the overall thumbs up count for that story, which on the landing page for each story, you can also see it's thumbs up count. Not all readers leave thumbs up. Um, so it may have way more readers than it has those likes. But um, that is a feature that readers can use, and it actually does affect um, author compensation. <laughs> So there are a lot of things on Bella that affect author compensation. We can talk about that later if you want. Yeah, we definitely will because I want people to know about this and get an idea of how it works. So how many stories have you actually published on Vela? There's the one I'm reading. Right now I have, yeah, I have two. I just launched a second one. My main one is Macchiato's Fairy Princes and Other Things That Happen at Midnight, the one that you were reading. It's a YA fantasy. Right. Um, but I also just launched a YA paranormal romantic comedy and it's just a silly story that I started writing a few years ago where I was actually spinning the plot for each chapter and filling my spinners with reader suggestions and then I never did anything with it and it was partially finished so I've I've sort of pulled it back out and dusted it off um, and I'm using it on Bella so okay so then do authors ever run multiple storylines on Bella? Yes, I have some friends who have um, several different stories going on Bella. Some of them interconnect in the same overall universe. Some of them are completely separate. One of my friends has, I think, like five stories going at once that she, she's actively posting. Well, she might be actively posting on three. Um, she has a lot of stories going on Bella. Um, she's doing really well. That's, that seems very challenging. It seems like an amazing talent in and of itself to be able to do that, to keep those lines independently going and being posted yes. weekly. Now, obviously, the more you, the, the, there's a, is, there an, is there an optimum frequency for posting on Vela? Minimum of once a week. That's what Amazon itself recommends to us as authors, minimum of once a week. Um, there are people who post daily. There are people who post two or three times a week, but at least once a week is recommended. Okay. And then if you don't do that, what are the consequences? Um, usually you'll start losing readers because they'll just forget about your story. Um, the other consequence is you will probably not receive as big of a bonus for compensation <laughs> because part of the bonus is frequency of posting is one of the factors that determines the bonus amounts every month. Good. So now on this bonus thing, because that's, that's something I learned about in the last video I watched. So, and they said, so okay, bonus, cool. And then they gave this huge numbers. And whoa, that's a lot of bonus. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Kindle Vella is set up, 
if you watch the initial videos with the people who created it, it was their idea from the start that there would be two different types of compensation combined. One of them is direct, we get a direct cut of every token that's redeemed, mm -hmm. and then there's the bonuses. Um, the tokens themselves would not pay us very much because they're low cost for the readers. But the bonuses are where compensation really becomes worthwhile for an author on Bella. And it's set up similar to how Kindle Unlimited is set up. So there's a pool every month, and it's increasing as Vela grows. And then that pool is divided among the authors who qualify for bonuses. And of course, the ones that are ranked higher and have more activity on their stories get much larger bonuses. And then the ones who don't have as much activity might get smaller bonuses. And then if you're not really posting and you don't have activity, you may not qualify for a bonus at all. So that's kind of how it's set up. I never know exactly how much I'm going to get in a bonus every month. Um, but so far, it's been pretty generous. I've made more with my story on Bella than I would have made so far had I posted it as an ebook, most likely. Wow. Now, is, is it, does it grow as you continue on because you build up more and more readership? Yes. Um, so my bonuses have been steadily growing. Um, I think my peak month was maybe in January, but last month was my second best. And I'm not making nearly as much with mine as some of my friends are making. Some of their bonuses are insane. Um, my one friend that's doing the multiple stories, this is now her full-time thing. Um, and she has a huge following. Her story has been ranked number two for the last month. And she's making well into five figures a month with her story. Wow. Overall. And that's great. <laughs> so, if she gets, I mean, if she gets only... You said well into, but it's the minimally then $10,000 a month. That's $120,000 career right there. Yes. And it's not going to stay just at $10,000. Yes. And there's a chance, just like with um, Kindle Unlimited when it first started, because it functions on the same sort of bonus pool, as more authors come and develop, the bonus is split among more authors. So there's a chance that the eventually how lucrative the bonuses are is going to change. Um, but for right now, if you can work Kindle Vela and really connect with the right audience, it's very worth doing. So. Wow, that's good to know. But it would seem also that as the um, readership grows, that the amount going into the uh, pot would, would grow as well. Yes. Um, so like I said, they've been increasing the overall bonus pool steadily every month. I would assume that if eventually if they get tons more readers, then they're going to increase that pool in, you know, keeping steady with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. So this, it seems almost like the episodic stuff, which you had either in, in the, the pulp magazines, you know, sometimes you'd have a story every month coming out, you know, until they got through a whole novel. Um, you also had some of the, whether it be Zorro or whether it being, you know, the, the Lone Ranger or any of those other serial episodic type things, that this would be something like that because you have to end it in the cliffhanger, which was an absolute in Pulp Fiction days. Yes. Yeah. I actually find, I find this way of writing fascinating. Um, I actually really enjoy writing this way where I know that I need that cliffhanger every episode. I know that the readers are coming back every week. Um, right. It's really interesting for me. That's great. Yeah, there's um, one of the books I just finished reading was uh, Mission Earth by, uh, by Owen Hubbard. And he wrote, it was a 92 part 
when he wrote it, it was 1.2 million words and they broke it into 10 books because it was like one point, like I said, 1.2 million words at that one go, he wrote it in eight months. So wow. yeah. that's a lot in eight months. <laughs> exactly. And so it was turned into 10 volumes and each one of the volumes became a New York Times bestseller. But every part ended in a cliffhanger, you know, because he wrote it, he's because he used to write during the pulp days when you had you had to end in a cliffhanger. And he wrote also for Hollywood uh, movie scripts, helping on that stuff. So he had, you know, he was a master of the cliffhanger and the importance of that to wow. set a person along to the next, mm -hmm. to the next, the next um, episode. So, I mean, it's just funny reading your stuff. Like I said, I'm reading this one here in the Macchiatos, um, mm -hmm. which whatever reason, every time I start listening to it, I have to go get a coffee, whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, she works at a coffee shop and that's the mm -hmm. beginning title but it is it's fun reading and actually one thing i really enjoy about it too my schedule's crazy so i can sit down and i can read an episode in one go and then get back to it doesn't take me long to get through it but it's just really fun and then i just i gotta read yes. the next one so it sets me up so whether it's gonna be a day or a week or whatever later in this case here with your with your story it's already all done. So I'm only on episode six now out of 50, whatever. So yeah. I got enough to keep me going for a bit here. But that's when it's really good about these specifically is if you're if you got a crazy schedule, being able to just enjoy a story and then not worry about, OK, I got to keep on going. You don't have to threaten your sleep to be able to enjoy a story. <laughs> yes, I think um, when they initially started Kindle Vella, that was kind of their goal was to fit into people's busy lives where you could just read a story and little snippets and then come back next week for the next part. So some of them are fully completed where you can binge if you want to, but it's also broken into those episodes where if you want to stop, there's an easy stopping point every few thousand words at most. Right. So. No, that was really good on that. And I mean, what astonished me the most is that I've been doing this podcast for three years and the first time I heard the word Vela was when you originated it a few months ago. And I said, Vela, what the heck is Vela? <laughs> and then I started looking it up and yes. And then uh, who was it? Was it Mark or somebody wrote to me and he posted something about when are you going to do that interview with Crystal? Oh, that was probably Chris Hinkle. I think he mentioned yeah. to me that he yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, you know, oh, heck, I forgot about that. I had a note, but <laughs> I have, you know, just time just zooms whether you're having fun or not so it was uh you know that's when i then wrote to you saying chris nudged me on this thing and i'd forgotten about it so then I started seriously looking at it and i was like wow how did i not ever even hear about this let alone talk to somebody about it because it's been over a year that's already been going on yeah i've been surprised at how little the the word has actually gotten out about bella <laughs> overall yeah. Um, I know Candace was the one who initially commented on your post on Facebook and suggested a podcast about Bella, but there's, you know, so many people in my circles just don't know about it. Yeah. Um, so I think Amazon is starting to do like Facebook ads and try to get the word out. They've been doing that for a few months, but there's definitely still a lot of growth potential because a lot of people just don't know about it yet. No, which is great. And I mean, fortunately, this podcast now gets about a million and a half listens each. So hopefully this gets the word out, too. So people will awesome. be yeah. able to. <laughs> it's definitely grown a lot, too. So, uh, yeah, so we'll definitely be, you know, the title of this will have the Vela in there, the Kindle Vela. 
So now you write YA fiction. Yes. What type of stories now do you find on, on Vela? Vela has all kinds of stories. They have some genres that I don't write at all, um, like adult romance, that type of stuff. Right. Uh, but they also, I mean, all different genres. There's horror, there's thriller, there's mystery. Um, there's even a children's story section, but I don't think it's doing very well because not very many parents are going to put their kid on Amazon to read children's stories, especially with not knowing about Bella. But yeah, all different genres. A lot of my friends write in um, some form of romance, like fantasy romance, that type of thing. Fantasy does pretty well on Bella. Romance is probably the top. Well, it's <laughs> the top everywhere. everywhere. It's the top everywhere. Yeah. So, all right. Do they do um, nonfiction as well? Yes, they have a nonfiction category. It's not, um, I don't think it has as big of an audience as some of the others, but they do have one. So I think there's a lot of potential there too for nonfiction authors who want to come in, especially as Bella grows, because it, there's not as much competition in that genre for sure. But the idea of doing a hook on a nonfiction story, here's the history <laughs> of the atomic bomb, and then they drop the bomb. Yeah, go to the, next, would, to the next episode. Yeah, it would probably be harder to do hooks with nonfiction, but <laughs> some people might be able to manage that. Yeah. So you specialize in romantic fantasy or just just fantasy? Um, I specialize in YA, young adult in general, um, usually young adult fantasy. Okay. My stories usually have a romance subplot, um, yeah. but that's pretty common for YA in general. For sure. Um, yeah, so that's mostly what I write. Okay. Yeah, so um, have you found a difference? So, like, you've been doing Vela now since it started a year ago, and then you've also mm -hmm. been posting your ebooks on KDP. Do you find that being successful on Vela helps your ebooks on, on Amazon? Or is, is there any type of a, of a correlation between sales improvement? Not so far. But Vela is still developing, and so they're always adding new features every so often. One of the things they recently added that wasn't in place at first is actually letting us link our Vela stories to our Amazon author pages. At first, they were completely separate. So now that they're linked, I think there's more of a potential for there to be crossover because now our names on our Kindle Vela stories are clickable to go to our author page with our other stuff. Previously, there wasn't a direct path for a reader to follow to go to your other stuff. So I think that I'm going to, you know, we'll probably see that improving in terms of crossover. The other interesting thing with Vela is that they're not exclusive. So you can write a story on Vela and then publish it as an ebook later. They have no restriction against that. They just have a time period you have mm -hmm. to wait. Okay. Now, does Vela link to your social media too? It does not link directly, but we're allowed to post. So at every episode at the end, there is an author note that we can include if we want to, and we're allowed to post about our social media in the author notes. But they won't be hyperlinked. People will still have to basically go look up our username somewhere. Um, yeah. Okay, that makes sense then. Now, Vela, is it still like trial stage where it's US only, or is it now spread into Canada and to other uh, major English-speaking countries, or where does it stand right now on, on growth? It's still uh, it's still U.S. only right now. They've been sort of hesitant to give any kind of timeline on when they are going to expand. 
but I would assume that their plan is to eventually expand in the same way that you know their regular ebook store, their KDP store, is international. But so far, um, at first when Bella launched, it was only available in particular devices. It, you couldn't even use it in a regular Kindle. You could only use it on an iPhone <laughs> mm -hmm. or directly on the browser. And now they've expanded it to different devices. So I'm assuming that they're just still working on expanding it into international. I know I have author friends in other countries, too, who are eager for it to go international so they can use it. Um, but right now, it's, it's limited to the U.S. for readers and for authors who are posting. Got it. Now, can somebody in Canada access the uh, the app, you know, can the app can they access that link from Canada on the US US type thing, or is that? Um, so as far as I know, Vela is at Amazon.com. But if they're able to access the .com landing page, then they might be able to read Vela stories. For authors, I know for sure it's limited to US only. But I think um, I'm not sure in the app. I guess it would depend on how their app is set up and whether they're able to access general like Amazon.com store stuff in their app. But I'm hoping eventually they're going to just expand it internationally where everyone can easily access it. Right. So right now it's US only. And if you're mm -hmm. clever enough and some type of a geek that can go in and, and get around <laughs> some of those guidelines, then you're good. Are there, I know on some um, some apps because of, of the um, visual impaired, where you can actually have the um, your favorite voice read to you. Can, is, does Vela set up with that? I heard that they briefly had that feature or were testing that feature, but I don't know that it's standard yet. Um, I'm hoping that they're going to have that soon because um, there are lots of people who, um, because they commute and they'd rather listen as they're driving or, you know, there's a lot of requests and demand for that feature. So I'm hoping that's something they'll add for sure. Right. Okay, good. So um, you were, like a rock star on Wattpad a couple of years ago. How does, now Wattpad, does that pay you any money or that's just something that gave you visibility? Um, so Wattpad actually has kind of two different uh, tiers. So there is, there's free, which is where I was initially. <laughs> um, and all your stories are free and you don't get paid. It's just more for visibility. Um, but then I eventually got invited into the Wattpad Stars program which is their program that they, it's the pool that they pull from when they decide to make a story paid or to opt a story for a television show and all of those things. Um, I'm no longer posting on Wattpad, but I was, um, my friend and I had a story that won a Wattie Award and we were invited into the STARS program um, for a while. So It wasn't picked up by Netflix and you got your, uh, <laughs> your option there for $500,000. You missed that no, one? Not not so far, no. Um, yeah, I don't think we may not have stayed in the STARS program long enough. We just decided for our goals, it wasn't really a good fit for us because of, of course, Wattpad had a certain posting schedule they wanted us to stick to and all kinds of different things. And so we just, um, they were also requesting certain types of stories that weren't necessarily the types of things we write. Um, so it just ended up not being a good fit for us to stay in long term, but we were really excited to have been invited in. Um, sure. To that program and to have hit that milestone for sure. Okay, so I just because you you noticed I noted on your bio or something like that that you had a million and a half reads on that. I, I was like, that was did. I had a silly YA rom com that just went crazy on there, and it it had one point five million reads, which is way cool. Was, yeah, it was really really cool. 
and I just it, it got featured and then it just took off and my phone was blowing up with Wattpad notifications. It was crazy. So it was fun to be able to have that and just... It was fun. And on Wattpad, the readers could leave comments um, on each. They could highlight and leave a comment on a specific line if they wanted to. So it was very interactive and I really enjoyed that part of it for sure. Right. Oh, good. All right. So Vel is still pretty young. So what kind of things should an author look forward to uh, in the coming short term with... Vela? Well, um, it's hard to say exactly because like I said, Amazon has been sort of quiet about what they're releasing. Um, mm -hmm. But I do know that they are constantly expanding their reader interaction features. So recently we got this, the polls feature added where we can put a poll at the end of an episode and readers can, can vote. So you can use that in all different kinds of ways. You can either get feedback on your episodes or what they want to happen next, or you can just ask, hey, have you checked out my social media, yes or no, and kind of, or how did you find my story? So there's lots of different uses for those polls, but that's a new feature that they didn't originally have. So I think that they're, they're striving to make this a, a fun, interactive experience for the authors and the readers. So I would predict that we see more of those types of features rolling out as it builds. Okay. Now, you've experienced a fair amount of success. So now I want to give some like some guidelines or some yardsticks and stuff like that for the aspiring writer, or even not an aspiring, just a writer that here's a new platform they could take advantage of to monetize their um, their intellectual properties. So now, when you go into working with Vela, what are some what would you recommend as some of the um, cautions, cautionary tales, things to watch out for when getting in there? So one thing maybe to think about is whether your story is well suited for a serial format, because I've had some friends who have tried Bella, but really they were just taking a, a book and kind of trying to break it up into chunks and it didn't work as well for readers that way. And so then they were disappointed in you know, the readership and the results that they ended up getting from that. Um, the other thing would be that although, like I said, you can still post it as an ebook later, there, if you're posting it on Bella, it's published now. So if you were, if you were hoping to get a book deal for this story or something like that in the future, um, that's not one that you would want to put on Bella. I think just being clear on your goals for your writing and, and what it is that you're trying to do is important when you're going in. Okay. Um, you did the Owen Hubbard Writers of the Future Online Writing Workshop also when that first came out. You're like on the, you're in the front of all these curves of, of publishing first. So, cause that's when Emily uh, first interviewed you. You're one of the first ones to take that yes. online course. Mm -hmm. So was there a particular favorite article or essay from Mr. Hubbard that, that you read on that stands out. And I know we're going to address this point on suspense because that's what we've been addressing on this whole thing with what case the person going through Vela. But any particular uh, essay that was of uh, significance to you? So I believe it's one called Art. I don't remember the exact name. Um, yeah. But in that article, he was discussing the importance of communicating with your reader. So I guess what clicked for me with that was that Sometimes as a writer, as we're trying to polish, we can actually lose some of the impact on the reader. The readers aren't looking at the story or at the art. The viewers aren't looking at the art in the same way that we as the artist might be. 
So that was a really cool point for me to kind of pick up and just realize I need to think from a reader perspective when I'm looking at the story and avoid kind of over polishing it or, or just trying to be fancy and confusing the reader because communication is really what I'm going after. Right. And the other thing too, and that, which I think very much ties in with what you're talking about on pulling a, a reader along in Vela is this um, article, which is on the online course too, called Suspense by Owen Hubbard. And I just want to read the first couple paragraphs here because I think that's what people are looking to achieve. Next to checks, the most intangible thing in this business of writing is that quantity suspense. It is quite as elusive as editorial praise. It's hard to corner and recognize as a contract writer. But without any fear of being contradicted, I can state that suspense, or rather the lack of it, is probably responsible for more rejects than telling an editor he is wrong. And you're not writing to an editor, you're writing to, you're, you've got thousands of editors who are having to read this to say, okay, yeah, this is worth continuing and, and in this case, investing their, their uh, tokens into to keep on going. You've got to have yeah. that, that suspense. Absolutely. Um, especially because at the end of every episode, there is that threshold that the reader has to choose whether to unlock the next episode or not. So suspense is really key to keeping the reader engaged and keeping them reading. Yeah, and that, that free online writing workshop, and again, I'm going I'm to mention it is free, and we've had over 6,000 people on this course now uh, since it first launched at the start of um, the pandemic. But it's, it's, it's such vital information that a writer has got to be able to get, and it is. It's all the more so with what you're doing here in Vela. If you don't have that, if you don't have that reason for a guy to say, okay, yeah. click, click, here's my next coins coming to, you know, sock it to me again um <laughs> you're out of there and Definitely. it seems like yeah that was a, a really helpful online course for sure yeah it seems like some of these things that you've been saying are even more important like people need to really listen to this and pay attention to this as well because as more people join vela right now we're going to be reaching a lot of people and more people will be joining vela to, to be able to enter this and the whole thing with rise the future we don't view anybody as competition we just right. more more companions to work with but all the more reason to have something good because it, there is more choice for an audience to go for so if you're whatever your your genre of choice is um you're going to need to have everything going in your favor so that they pick you over someone else or or, conti or, or continue picking you maybe they start off okay i'll I'll check 10 different authors because it's just, there's not much of an investment for one episode of, of any um, storyline. So, mm -hmm. well, actually that brings up another question then too, because when you start a, a story on Vela, the first few episodes are free automatically, aren't they? Yes, the first three are automatically free. So it's really easy for a reader to kind of test the story and see if they like it before they invest any tokens in it. Okay, so that makes sense. So then um, you've got three shots to either score that, that first <laughs> run or to strike out one or the other. Yes, three chances to either catch the reader or lose them entirely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so we were discussing cautionary tales, cautionary things that you recommend for a person addressing 
valid to be able to to watch for. So one is obviously having a story that fits into that episodic format. Um, yeah. What What's the actual importance of having an editor going through your story first? Like, you know, some like I'm pretty particular. If I see a story that's full of typos, when I'm full of means even one in a hundred pages is full of typos for me. Um, yes. it's, a, it's, it's a turnoff. So how does that fit? Um, that's a really good point. Uh, a caution that I would definitely advise novella authors. Don't think of it as your first draft, even though you might be writing it episodically week to week. Um, I have a team of alpha readers who look at mine before they ever go up on Vela. I have an editor who looks at mine. And it doesn't have to be, you know, if you can't afford a pro editor, mine is literally a friend of mine who's just really talented with editing. So, but it is important to make sure that what you're putting out there is polished content because readers are paying for it. They're going to be using tokens to unlock your stories. And if they are seeing lots of errors, they're probably just going to stop reading. So it would be way better if to present something that is representative of what you're hoping to establish as your brand as an author so you can start building an audience. Right. Now, also, you, you do have the ability to go to Writers of the Future Forum because there you'll find people that, you know, like-minded souls that will be there and willing to help you because a win for one is a win for all in Writers of the Future. Yeah. There's also Wolf Moon, who you work with yeah. as well. Yes. So I am so thankful for um, what we call the Wolf Pack. So we are, uh, we're just a group of, of authors. Wolf Moon is our mentor, and I've learned so much from him about story writing. Um, but we really just are there to help each other. So I have a crit team that I got through the forum, but we're all Wolf Pack. Um, and we, you know, we communicate, we cheer each other on, we read each other's stories. Um, and that's, that's been very, very helpful for me, especially when I was first getting into short story writing. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of those same skills are translating over now to episodic writing because every chapter has to have a hook and I have to keep the readers engaged. So, Right. Well, that sounds good. And it's also, it just dawned on me that you're actually a novelist as a Vela author. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because one of the first things Moon said to me when I started taking his workshops was that I was a novelist masquerading as a, a short story writer because um, he was constantly reminding me, I was trying to cram what he called trying to cram a whole oak tree into a bonsai. So huh. for me, Vela is a really cool format because I have that space to kind of write the sprawling stories that I really love to write, but I also have to keep it tight and keep interest and keep the suspense going. So it's sort of a melding of the two skills. Okay. Now with another thing I just realized too on Vela, like when you submit a story on Amazon, you upload it on KDP or send something out to a publisher, you've got a certain format you do that, you know, you, you upload it and it gets converted into a book format. But on Vela, it doesn't work like that. No. So on Vela, they have a dashboard similar to the KDP dashboard. We do have to submit our episodes ahead of time to go through their approval process. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't compile into an ebook. It compiles into um, basically a landing page for the story where readers can click through the different episodes. But it's not because I know on on an ebook you got your formatting, your chapters, you got your uh, your pages, and in Vela it's not pages. You got one long oh, no. scroll. <laughs> yes, it's way easier um, as an author. There's 
very little formatting. You just copy paste it into their processing thing in the dashboards. Um, and they do have minimal formatting you can do there, like bold italics, that kind of stuff. But it's, it doesn't require the intense formatting that an ebook requires before upload. But you have to have your proofreading done and any copy editing done before you actually upload. Yes, because whatever you upload is what goes to the reader. So there's not, Amazon doesn't have a proofreading team. They're basically scanning it for whether it breaches any of their terms of conduct or terms of service or anything. So all the proofreading, all the editing needs to be done before you actually put it into Vela. Got it. All right, so now on Vela then, any other tips or do's and don'ts? Because each episode, somebody can go in and post comments. So I don't know how close it is to social media, but social media can ver get very vitriolic and get very upsetting. And if you got thin skin, it's definitely no place for you to be. Is it, so is there any you know, best practices that you've found on how to handle somebody if someone's got a complaint? Because when it's on there, it's on there, you know, and so. Yes. Um, so Bella currently doesn't allow readers to comment on every episode, but they can leave reviews on the story as a whole. And then, of course, we're encouraged as authors to direct people to our social media. So there's a, a chance of readers finding us there and sending angry messages or whatever. Um, some of my friends run Facebook ads for their stories and they get comments on the Facebook ads. Um, so I would say, for me at least, is a combination of realizing that not everyone is my I, my target audience, and then also just being kind, uh, you know, because sometimes the comments that are left just like maybe that person's just really having a bad day. You're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, and that's I mean that's a policy I've definitely maintained with writers of the future. I don't go political. I don't go religion. I don't go. Anything that if someone's going to be hate, you know, if it gets nasty, I mean, I will hide that comment because mm -hmm. the whole thing of the rise of future, rise of future is for everybody, you know. So I don't have a particular slant that I'm taking. Right. So it's it really is a one size fits all with that program there, except for haters, you know. So if you got somebody that's going to be a troll, a hater, they are definitely not welcome. And so I'm just curious then because how much is open to somebody coming in and just really dumping on you that can be off, very off-putting for you as an author? Yes, I think um, it's not so much worse than what you would find in ebook reviews on Amazon because they do kind of have the direct reader feedback right now limited to just the story reviews and then, of course, whether or not they choose to thumbs up an episode or whatever. So I think... It's the same thing I had to learn with ebook reviews is to have a little bit of a thick skin and just try to deal with things tactfully. A lot of times you just don't respond as an author. You just let it be. The other really helpful thing is that there is a group of us who are all Vela authors who support each other. So we have a Discord chat. And um, in one of the Discords, somebody set up a, a, a channel. It's called the Black Hole of Negativity. And whenever we get something that really bothers us, we just throw it into the Black Hole of Negativity. And then we can come in and be like, oh, I feel that, and just support each other, um, you know, without making it a negative thing, but just somewhere to kind of vent that frustration and then let it let it vanish into the black hole so that it doesn't wear us down. 
That's um, smart. So that's been helpful as well, is to have that community of Bella authors who are doing it alongside and supporting each other. That's good. And, and there's also the fact that when you have somebody who's, who's giving you the, the negative stuff, negative comments, it always, always, always stands that the best statistic you have for your success as an author, and I imagine it applies with Vela, is are more people reading your stuff? Yes. So if you have more readers, then obviously it's good. You know, and so if you've got somebody coming in and going blah, blah, blah all over you, it's that, you know, it's their problem, not your problem, because you're continuing to expand as, as an author. Yes. So not everyone is going to be my ideal reader or my target. <laughs> that's, that's something that I've had to just accept. I cannot please every single person in the universe. Um, so understanding what my audience really does enjoy, especially since I write for young adults, a young adult audience, uh -huh. understanding the, the tropes they're looking for, the things they enjoy, um, that helps me stay focused on serving those readers and reaching those readers instead of, you know, if I get negative comments. So. Yeah, because the one thing that, the reason I'm bringing this up is one, realize it's going to happen, but two, it's not something that you need to address with your writing. You got to keep on yeah. doing your thing. You don't try to do something to please someone that's, not interested in being pleased. Yes. Some people will never be pleased, right? No. Their whole gig is just to be able to, I'm going to see if I can mm -hmm. bring you down. And and somebody like yourself is going to be a, a luscious target. You know, she's too darn happy. She's too darn, you know, <laughs> fun. So let's see what we can do to kind of like, let's see if we can whittle away at that, you know, you know, yeah. whatever type thing. So people have to really understand that. And, that applies to any form of writing um, yes. or art for that matter, because um, the more artistic you are, the more you're going to be inclined to find those um, life suckers, you know, that will come in there and just try to, yes. you know, invalidate you and make nothing of and to, you know, say things that would otherwise, you know, dishearten you, which is why this podcast exists to, to give people that, that hope, helpful, hopeful, you know, thumbs up to life. Yes. And that's, that's what I found so valuable about the Writers of the Future Forum and the other writing circles that I'm a part of, because surrounding yourself with people who are building you up is a really great way to counterbalance whatever other negativity you might be receiving. So. Yeah. And different platforms will have different types of people that, that they attract. Now, have you, have you done... I mean, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, and now uh, TikTok has become quite the uh, the book channel with that with the book talk hashtag. Have you found any particular one of those platforms more um, helpful for you? I focus mostly on Facebook and Instagram. I had sort of gone, you know, radio silent on social media because I was just so busy. And over the summer, I've been intentionally trying to be more active, and it's so I've been seeing a growth there and it's happening mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm not really that active on Twitter right now and I don't do TikTok. Um, but I've, I've heard from romance authors particularly that TikTok has been really helpful for them. So I haven't tried that one personally, but for me, Instagram has been really cool because I can do like trailer reels and different things that are, um, my husband is a graphics design artist and he's been making some cool art for me for that go with my 
Kindle Bella story that I can share as reels. Um, we've just started doing that. So Instagram is great for that. But mm -hmm. I also have a small following on Facebook as well that comment on things and react to my posts. Okay, well, that's great. All right, so now you also, when I first introduced you, uh, you've got a um, publishing called Pirate Cat. So tell me a bit about that and what yes. brought that about. So Pirate Cat Publishing is um, essentially an online reading platform. I have a friend, her name is MJ Paget, and she's also a, a clean YA author. She has close to 40 ebooks published. She has built, over the last few years, built a significant indie following. Um, and so she and I kind of partnered up because we were finding readers reaching out to us saying it's hard to find clean young adult fiction right um and so our goal really was to create a platform it was twofold one was to create a reading platform where they could come and be confident that everything in there was clean YA. um and then the other side was we really wanted it to kind of mimic that community feel that we because she also used to write on wattpad and we loved that reader interaction mm -hmm. so we wanted to create that sort of community feel where readers can comment on each chapter um, we have like chat groups where we can do like book club style chats and messaging where they can message back and forth with each other and with us and they can ask questions about the story. So that was really the second part is we wanted it to be this interactive community around YA fiction. Right. So now is it just you and her or are there, there are other authors now or how's that work in terms of growth? Right now it's just me and her. Um, we put tons of content in there. Like I said, she had a, uh, like 30 plus already written published YA books that she was able to put in. I had several that I put in. We're also both posting episodic stories in there. Um, Kindle Vela allows for the same content that's on Vela to be posted episodically elsewhere as long as it's behind a paywall. So some of my Vela stuff is also going into Pirate Cat. And then we have a plan to eventually expand to include other authors. And we have a couple of clean YA authors who have told us they're interested. Um, but we're kind of in beta phase right now, so we were like, let's <laughs> let's make sure this is working before we rope any other authors into this. So that's kind of where we are right now, but we're having a lot of fun with it, and readers have been in there commenting and interacting on, on stuff, so it's been a lot of fun. Oh, that's good. With your writing now, what kind of, of um, an audience do you write for? Like you said, you're clean YA, but I know there's a lot of... of um, from my own experience, because we try with Rise of the Future, trying to keep it at least PG. You know, I don't know if you yeah. consider, you know, clean YA or not, because it's not just YA that we have. You know, we have all types of stuff there. But it seems like your audience for your type of, of storytelling would be what? Who? I've been surprised, actually, that it sort of is a wider range than I would have thought. So my target audience when I'm writing is teens. Um, I used to teach teens. I worked with teens. I taught English and writing classes for teens. So they were the target audience I had in mind when I started this. I have my oldest daughter's 11, she's about to be a teen. So that's sort of my, my target audience. But I found that there are parents of teens and I, cause I started a Facebook group to help parents find clean YA fiction, but a lot of them read it as well because they enjoy the pacing of it and sort of the tone of it, or they're just looking for something that they can know is going to not contain more explicit content or really intense violence or anything like that. So it, some of my readers are older, but my primary, my ideal target reader when I, that I have in mind when I'm writing is usually a teen. 
I get it. You know, I enjoy reading or slash listening to YA. My schedule goes crazy, you know, so sometimes it's really hard for these long, super significant, complex, multiple plot, subplots, all this stuff going on, weaving throughout a story until you get to the end. My attention span is such that, you know, I can, or not even so much attention span, it's just my time I've got to read is maybe, you know, 20 minutes before going to bed at night or 10 minutes right. or 15 minutes, or if I listen to audiobook, you know, in between things. But my life is otherwise really busy from, I'm a publisher, so I work half days, meaning 12 hours a day. Yes. Right. <laughs> so um, I end up, you know, not having time to devote to a real long involved story, but I enjoy, I enjoy good stories. So that's what was fun about your story here. The macchiato is, is, a, is a simple line to follow. And I can enjoy yeah. it and just, I'm not worried about, okay, remembering Bill and Bob and George and the dragon and this stuff and how they all going to weave together if I don't get back to it for a week. You know, that's one thing I like about YA. Yes, I enjoy that too. I enjoy it both as a reader and, and as a writer. Yeah. Um, it's usually fast paced. There's a lot of, you know, there's a clear main storyline that you can follow. And there is some, you know, epic YA fantasy exists, but even that is usually more fast-paced than what you would find with traditional epic fantasy. That's the fact. So I, I enjoy that as, as an author as well because I like keeping the pace moving when I'm writing. So. For sure, which is great. So now for someone to, to discover all these amazing stories that we've been talking about, how does a person find you? Um, well, you can find me on my uh, Facebook page at C. Crawford Writing. Instagram at C. Crawford Writing. Um, if you're interested in Pirate Cat Publishing, that's piratecatpublishing.com. Um, I also have my main webpage, which is ccrawfordwriting.com. Um, and that has information on my published ebooks and other, other places you can find myself. That's great. Well, this has been, uh, I knew it was going to go really fast because I was totally fascinated with this subject of um, this new platform here on Vela. So hopefully other people are, are equally as, as enchanted with this as a, as a new outlet for their uh, creative works to be, uh, to be shown to the world. And I really appreciate your taking the time to, uh, to explain this. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to see more authors on Kindle Vela. It's just getting started, so it's been, it still has a lot of potential for growth. So. For sure, for sure. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. I also want to thank Carnation for sponsoring this show. Carnation not only tastes good, they have good taste. Writers of the Future series can be purchased wherever books are sold in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and South Africa, and available everywhere via Amazon.com. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Crystal. Thank you for having me.